The United States spends substantially more on healthcare than many other high-income countries. There's evidence that we could achieve the same outcomes, but spend less or achieve better health at current spending levels. But the real problem may not be that we're simply spending too much, but rather that we don't spend on consistently high-value care. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Catherine Baker, Dean of the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy. As part of the journal's series on the fundamentals of U.S. health policy, Professor Baker has co-authored a perspective article about healthcare spending and public policy. Professor Baker, as you write in your perspective article, U.S. healthcare spending totaled $3.6 trillion in 2018, which is more than $11,000 per capita. Why is it important for physicians to understand the factors that contribute to that kind of spending and the consequences of spending more on health care? As the numbers you cite show, we clearly spend an enormous amount of money on health care. So we're giving up lots of other things to finance that health spending. We better be sure that it's worth it, both because it's so important to people's health, but also because we need public resources and private resources for education and housing and transportation and all sorts of other things that matter to people. We can't afford to be wasting money on healthcare that's not actually improving health. So what evidence supports the suggestion that the United States could get the same outcomes we're currently getting, but with lower spending, or could get better outcomes for the same amount? There's lots of evidence that our healthcare system is not performing as well as we would like it to. We spend a lot of money on care that has questionable health benefit, and we spend too little money on a lot of care that would improve people's health tremendously. People compare life expectancy across countries or compare the prices and quantity of healthcare that we get in the U.S. to that of other countries. Those international comparisons can be really challenging. For example, what may look like higher prices for a service in the U.S. may be some combination of higher prices and higher quality or higher intensity of care. So we have to be really careful in comparing our spending to that of other countries that we're doing apples to apples comparisons. But I wouldn't rely on those to make the assertion that we could be getting more for every dollar spent. You can look within the U.S. and see that in some parts of the country, we spend a lot more on care without achieving commensurately better outcomes. There's been a lot of discussion in recent years about high prescription drug prices and their effect on healthcare spending. What areas in healthcare account for the most spending and what categories are growing faster than others? Well, the biggest categories of healthcare spending are actually physicians and hospitals. And we have attention to those as we think about ways to amend our healthcare spending. We are spending more on prescription drugs than we have in the past, and that spending is growing, but it's not changing that much as a share of overall healthcare spending. So all of these areas need attention, but focusing exclusively on prescription drugs or a different area other than hospitals and physicians would leave out the bulk of U.S. healthcare spending. So you say in your article that a better way to determine whether we spend too much on healthcare is to assess our health outcomes relative to the spending required to achieve them. So how much do we know about the value of various kinds of care, and why has there been pushback against considering value in policy decisions? Well, economists often get in trouble for putting a price tag on people's health, and that sounds really callous. You can't put a price on people's life and well-being. 
But actually, if you don't try to put prices on these things or attach monetary value, it's very hard to make trade-offs. Which is more important, a vaccine for a pandemic or education or housing or crumbling infrastructure? All of these things are important to people, and you have to be able to make trade-offs when you live in a world of finite resources. So I think it's really important to assess how much value we're getting. And going back to where we started, we can't afford as a nation or as a world to spend money on healthcare that isn't improving health when there's so many things that are a really high priority. Let's take the example of preventive care. People like to make the case that prevention pays for itself, but that is rarely true. Prevention can buy life and health and longevity at a really good price, but that doesn't mean that the price is negative. It doesn't mean that it pays for itself. It's important to take that into account because otherwise we won't have enough resources available to fund the healthcare that is buying a lot of health for every dollar spent. Or think about expanding health insurance to the uninsured. People might like to make the case that that pays for itself by getting people out of the emergency room and by getting them back to work and paying taxes. Well, in reality, the evidence suggests that expanding insurance is really beneficial to the people who get insured, but it comes at a cost because people who get insurance use more health care that's very good for their health but costs money. And so if you want to expand insurance, you have to have the resources available to do it. So I think it's really important to decide what our priorities are and then ensure that we have enough resources, public and private together, to pay for those things that are of high priority. And that kind of thinking requires evaluating not only the cost, but the benefit and making sure that we're spending our dollars on things that are getting us the most benefit we can achieve. You say in your article that the way healthcare is paid for in the United States highlights the misalignment of incentives to assess value within healthcare and relative to these other priorities that you're talking about. Could programs like Medicaid and Medicare be reformed to address that misalignment? Or do you think broader change is needed? The way we pay for healthcare is a major factor in what healthcare we actually get and how our health system is organized. And Medicare is a particularly large player in all of this. So moving Medicare payments towards value would not only affect the millions of people who are insured by Medicare and the providers who give their care, but would also move the healthcare system because a lot of our system is organized around the payment incentives that are generated by that big payer. Medicaid insures lots of people, but is a smaller payer in the whole mix. Medicaid's incentives and Medicare's incentives are not powerful forces for value right now the way that they ought to be. On the private side, the way we subsidize employer-sponsored insurance also drives people towards higher cost plans that may not deliver enough value for every dollar spent. And either employer-sponsored health insurance over all other forms of compensation or over out-of-pocket spending in our tax system. And most privately insured people get their insurance through their employers rather than through the health care marketplaces or exchanges under Obamacare and the ACA. Finally, you write that public programs could cover many more people if their resources were focused on high-value care rather than on covering all services for fewer people. So what would those kinds of programs look like? And is that 
an idea that's been explored by policymakers? Having one really generous insurance policy that covers everything under the sun for all people is unaffordably expensive. We need to think about where to devote our public resources. And having a Medicare plan, for example, that covers all services that meet a certain effectiveness threshold for all people, but then requires individuals who want other services that have lower value to pay more for a supplemental insurance plan or for those services directly, that would allow us to cover many more people with that program because we'd be cutting out the spending that's very expensive but of limited health benefit. Now, that's a pretty uncomfortable place to get to for a lot of people because it implies a two-tiered health system where higher income people are buying all of these extra services that are deemed not of sufficient value. But I would argue we're already in a system that is rationing care in a much less thoughtful, egalitarian way. So if we're going to make sure that everyone has access to all of the services that are of really high value, we have to limit spending through public programs on care that is of really questionable value. This idea is not new. It's come up in things like premium support or in reference pricing where a certain type of care is covered, but then patients who want more care than that have to pay the difference. We've seen experimentations with these kinds of value-based payments and limited coverage. Oregon experimented with limited coverage in its Medicaid plan based on the value of services delivered. So we've seen some experimentation, but we're now spending so much on healthcare and it's so important that everyone have access to high value services that I think that we need much more powerful levers to move us in that direction. Thank you, Professor Baker.